Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Today I have Raya Bichari. Hope I pronounced your name right. Uh, we're going to be talking yeah. about disruptive tech trends and possibly uh, SciFest Dubai. Raya, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for coming. So if, if you would give listeners a little bit of background, uh, tell them about what you do, and you know, let's introduce the topic right after that. So I am a social entrepreneur and science journalist. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the found, a founding member of SciFest Dubai, which is an annual festival that promotes STEAM education and a public understanding of science through numerous ver- events and initiatives in Dubai. And over the last three years, our festival has had a cumulative total of 300 events, 400,000 audience members, 40,000 audience members, participants, and 500,000 social media followers. And within SciFest Dubai, I'm also the co-founder of Cafe Science Speak Dubai, uh, which is an initiative that hosts salon-type events in, uh, in order to inspire the general public to come and talk about science, technology, astronomy, um, in a friendly and informal setting. So we host we usually host events um, once a month, keynote speaker, where they come in and uh, talk about science in an informal setting. That's great. And uh, I don't traditionally think of, you know, Dubai and places like that and the Gulf region um, as places where a lot of events are held. I know the U.S., many of them, U.K., you know, various places in Europe. So how have you found Dubai? Do you find people are willing to come and it's a great atmosphere and you get get all kinds of great people or is it different? So definitely one of the reasons we decided to start these initiatives uh, was because we felt like while Dubai had so many things going on, you know, uh, so much happening on uh, the innovation front, uh, so many music festivals, uh, uh, sports festivals, there wasn't many science festivals or um, uh, platforms for uh, individuals that are enthusiastic about science and technology to actually come and discuss its implications. So the, we were one of the first science festivals in Dubai. Uh, for that reason, you know, we thought, okay, let's give everyone an opportunity, a platform, to engage with science, even if they're not directly involved in science in their everyday lives or in their careers. And we found that there's a lot of enthusiasm for it. You know, like our CAP scientific events sometimes now get over 100 participants attending. And, so, and as I mentioned, the annual festival gets uh, up to fourteen to 16,000 visitors attending over a week uh, in events all around the city. Yeah, where do you get people coming in from? Is it just locally or, you know, what other countries uh, are highly represented? They're mostly locally. Uh, where we mostly, and we have a wide um, range of different age groups as well. We put a lot of focus into um, students. Um, a lot of our events are attended by students and high school students, but our CAP scientific events get uh, bring, uh, bring in people from all backgrounds and all ages. And one of the amazing things about Dubai is that it's one of the most multicultural cities in the world. So even if, so, even if you have a local audience, what you end up with is a very diverse local audience from all kinds of ethnicities and backgrounds. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Dubai. I've seen like the Burj Al Arab Hotel and uh... I've seen the islands that they've, you know, created out in the water. Uh, it seems like an amazing place. I've never been, but uh, 
it's it seems up and coming in every single way. And I guess you're contributing to that with the science festival and the and the meetups. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, what any uh, interesting projects that have come out of the science the sci fest or any of the meetups? Any startups or any other projects right, you're working right. on that you want to talk about? Right. Yeah. So um, we actually have just begun the early planning stages of the festival of this 2017 festival, which takes place from November 1st to 7th. And the goal is to really bring back, bring culture back into science and make it fun and exciting through the art. So we're really redefining science education by, t- by teaching it through music, dance, poetry, theater, debates, conferences, um, movie screenings, science fiction writing. And what distinguishes our festival is that we aim to bring science out of the na- narrow confines of the classroom curriculum and um, uh, into mainstream culture. So we're ongoing, developed, ongoing um, planning for the festival with that. And we're also currently working on an online educational platform, which launches later fall 2017. And I'll, I'll be happy to circle back later on closer to launch and talk more about that. Pretty great. Yeah, I'm in Austin, Texas. It sounds like uh, the SciFest Dubai is becoming like a South by Southwest for the Gulf, which is interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. So what are... What are one or two of your favorite um, or your most passionate projects that you're working on, whether with the SciFest or on your own? And, you know, let's talk about those. Right. I think what I'm most passionate about, both within SciFest and with the online platform that we're working on, is, you know, education. Uh, I think that uh, our education system is inherently very outdated, and there's so much more that we can do to make it inspiring, relevant, and engaging for students. And one of the things I'm very passionate about is uh, how can we make education more relevant and exciting, not just for science education, but at large as well. So where is it falling short? What do you see in classrooms? Is it just boring to students? Is it excluding right. women? Right. Is it, you know, what, where's the breakdowns? Uh, the, the amazing thing is that there are so many. And I think what we're seeing with um, the rise of um, alternative education companies and ed tech companies, each of them is tackling a different piece of the puzzle, really. And currently, our education system is just not fit for purpose. Student mental health is at an all-time low. Student depth is at an all-time high. Traditional schools are dominated by uninspiring curricula and an overemphasis on short-term knowledge and outdated skills. Uh, according to a 2016 report by the World Economic Forum, 65% of children who are just beginning school now will find themselves working in jobs that don't even exist yet. So the wow. entire industry is ripe for disruption. And there are various trends that are kind of propelling this disruptive trends that are coming through within education. You said 65% of kids now will be working in jobs that don't even exist yet. That's a crazy Exactly. Statistic. So that kind of poses a very challenging question is how do we prepare them for the unknown, right? And right mm. now, uh, a lot of education is focused on information transfer, um, and what what would be far more effective given th- this trend is how can we teach students to become lifelong independent learners and be adaptive uh, regardless of what happens and regardless of what skills are on demand in the future. Does it mean everyone has to be an entrepreneur, or what? Like, what are some basic tenets for people that you know maybe don't want to do that but need to adapt to? They don't even know what would. What have you seen are a few things that are really helpful to get people into this, you know, take charge of their own education mindset? Right. Um, well, in terms of the survival skills of the future, 
um, educationist and uh, best-selling author, Tony Ratner, has seven survival skills that he defines will be crucial um, for all students and all learners to be successful in the future. Uh, These are critical thinking and problem-solving, collaboration and leading by influence, agility and adaptability, initiative and entrepreneurship, effective oral and written communication, um, accessing and analyzing information, and finally, curiosity and imagination. So entrepreneurship is one of those things. And luckily, I think with various tech trends, it it won't be impossible to kind of adapt and disrupt the industry. For instance, you have online educational platforms like Coursera, which allow people to take free courses from anywhere and gain gain skills to keep up with the most on-demand skills. So the future will, is not good, is, I believe, won't be about taking, having three-year degrees, but rather, you know, nano degrees on demand as you feel like skills are becoming more required. Um, and the internet, for instance, also has exponentially increased their access to information. We are seeing the rise of um, many MOOCs that are massive online open, uh, massive open online courses. And last year, there were 58 million students enrolled in MOOCs. And Whoa. what's amazing about this is that digital learning really breaks the physical limitations of the traditional classroom and allows an educator to reach millions of students from around the world at a minimal cost. Yeah, I took um, an artificial artificial intelligence basics course from Coursera, and it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I learned mm-hmm. stuff. and um, Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's really cool. Um, so what's surprising you about the results? Like, what are you seeing students take to or not take to? Is any of this working or not working in the digital learning, you know, like what, what do you yeah. see? And, you know, you, you have this perspective that most people don't. So mm-hmm. the 58 million, million students, that's amazing. I didn't know that there were that many in yeah, the world, yeah. um, but mean, what else are you seeing that's de- unusual? Yeah, I think there are still definitely some challenges within digital learning. Um, they're not impossible to tackle, but for instance, uh, a lot of people will make the valid argument that just classroom learning is just a totally different experience, right? The social interactions that you have in person with an amazing teacher and with your classmates um, Mm -hmm. are a completely different experience. And uh, one of the challenges with um, digital learning is kind of translating uh, the social learning elements of it to be as effective. But also, there are lots of like activities and interactions that you can facilitate in an in-person classroom that are far more challenging to facilitate online, right? Um, that's one big challenge. Um, I, I do. I am optimistic that we can develop the Web 2.0 tools to make it happen. But secondly, I think that unfortunately we've conditioned our students in a world where they're not independent learners. Um, I think that a lot of students, uh, if you just gave them all the courses online instead of asking them to go to school, would struggle to stay motivated would struggle to kind of uh, say, okay, I'm still going to learn eight hours a day on my own. And uh, unfortunately, we just raised them to have teachers breathing down their necks, telling them, okay, uh, do your homework or do this, as opposed to them taking initiative and control over their own learning. So I think that's also going to be another challenge as we introduce uh, digital learning tools and MOOCs uh, to students to kind of get them to stay self-motivated and become independent learners. Yeah, so I, I remember I can give you some feedback. I don't know if this helps, but when I take online courses, you're right. I'm alone. I'm not in a classroom, and I'm not, I don't have to go somewhere. And it is harder to be motivated, and it does feel, you know, somewhat lonely. And I'm not. Yeah. I can't pass notes notes in class and all that, and get in trouble yeah. with the teacher. But what what elements of it 
can you recreate to get that social aspect back to get people more engaged in the learning? Right. I think there are two ways to kind of like um, pose a solution to this. Um, firstly, I think that uh, just as you have like Facebook, which is a social media online platform of its own, um, a lot of companies are trying to integrate that kind of aspect of it into learning so students can have these online discussions, share resources with one another, have conversations. But also just like even if you don't want to have a completely online experience, I think it redefines the role of the teacher in the physical classroom. So if you look at how much information learners and students now have access to, it really becomes pointless for a teacher to stand there and lecture their students. So what we're seeing now, one common trend is called blended learning, which involves using both the physical elements of the classroom and online tools. So uh, a given teacher will assign videos or perhaps aspects of the online course for students to watch at home in order to gain information. But then within the classroom, that's when they would have in-group activities, um, they would have discussions, um, and it really redefined the, refines the role of a teacher from being a lecturer to being more of um, a, a curator. Yeah, I've had both. I remember I had one teacher, mm-hmm. <laughs> he would come in, he would turn around and write notes on the chalkboard. This is 20-something years ago. The entire class. It was horribly boring. But then I remember other teachers that they would say, all right, I want you to read, you know, this chapter. And then you'd come into class and they would discuss it with you and they'd make a horseshoe and sit. And, and that was a lot more fun. You know, there were students that wouldn't do the work, obviously. But yeah, so you're yeah. saying the second model is, you know, you go read this or watch this and then we'll discuss it. And yeah, certainly. you're saying that, and that helps the social aspect and it's the new way of teaching, possibly. Definitely. And I think, um, you know, in the digital age, we all have access to information and uh, we can, students can Google whatever they want to Google and find the answer to it in seconds. Um, so there's no yep. point kind of training them for retention or for transferring information. They can do that on their own. What we do need to teach them is problem solving. You know, what we do need to teach them is all the survival skills I talked about. And um, that way, the classroom time can be focused more on those things and they can gather that information on their own. And it just becomes a more efficient use of everyone's time. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You're right. You know, and, and you know, what's the cool thing is every single one of us has some kind of experience with with being taught because we all grew up and we hopefully all of us yeah. got at least some education. So it's um, it's definitely a very relatable thing. And as any of us become parents, you know, you want for your kids them mm-hmm. to be happy and to have good jobs and, you know, be mm-hmm. educated. And so it's nice. It's a very it's not an alien thing. It's a very relatable thing. But solving it, I know, is a whole different story. Oh, definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah. So w- what are you seeing right now are some of the coolest uh, innovations in education? Maybe maybe they're not. Maybe they're just pilot tests. I don't know. But what are you seeing yeah. is really working right now? Right. I think that uh, personally for me, I think that MOOCs and the online uh, courses like Coursera, Audacity, I think those are um, those are really the, uh, have proven to be very successful so far. I know of many cases of students and friends who thought, okay, I want to change fields or I want to change majors, 
but it's too expensive for me to take uh, more classes in my university. I'm just going to mm-hmm. access information online on these platforms and get the skills that I need. And they've been very successful at it. And we're also seeing that they're becoming more and more credentials right out there. So having the most prestigious Ivy League universities um, host courses online for free. And uh, that's that's amazing because if you think about it, getting access to that kind of elite education is no longer limited by money or circumstance or location anymore. So that's one thing I'm very excited about. Um, there are also there are many other trends that are kind of influencing the future of education. Uh, one that uh, has generated a lot of buzz, but I think has yet to be proven, is virtual and augmented reality. And what they do is they just revolutionize the learning experience. They allow students to take journeys into like ancient history. They allow them to travel across the universe, uh, visit museums in different countries, and all without leaving the confines of the classroom. So they make learning far more immersive and inspiring. Um, and I'm excited to kind of see how that starts um, becoming more mainstream. Another big trend within education is big data. So big data, uh, you know, is affecting a lot of different industries, including education. Uh, gathering data about student performance, student uh, outcomes can really be used to improve student results, assess each student's individual strengths and weaknesses, and create cost- mass customized programs. So uh, a lot of okay. uh, a lot of experts are now looking to developing algorithms that can analyze student data and consequently make flexible programs that adapt to the learner based on real-time feedback. Um, so again, these are, these last two trends have yet to actually be proven or kind of like start being tested in the classroom, but I can see how uh, they can have an enormous impact on education in the future. Okay. Um, what do you think is going to happen to traditional universities and classrooms? Are they still going to be around or are they going to morph into a physical and an online component? What, what's your guess? Or what do you right. think? Right. I think the universal law is really either disrupt or be disrupted. And I think that once we start, um, once, alter- once the people who are disrupting and innovating start providing learners with uh, curricula and a learning experience that's more effective, that's more exciting, that's more engaging, then the students would be drawn um, uh, to those alternative programs. So in order to remain in business and in order to remain relevant within that trend, I think that traditional schools or universities will have to adapt. Um, and honestly, it's, it's, in their, it's in their best incentive to do so because a lot of these uh, technology trends within education also save costs. So it really brings down operational costs. And you, you, one instructor can reach out and educate hundreds of thousands and potentially millions of students. Um, so I, I think that personally, I think that they will be forced to adapt and disrupt or go out of business. It's funny years ago, if you were disruptive in class, they'd throw you out now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> disruptive is the name of the game. Very interesting. Yeah. So any, any other resources for listeners that maybe have young children or older children um, on how they can start preparing their kids uh, you know, in a better way, instead of maybe they're frustrated with the education they're getting right now. You mentioned yeah, Coursera. Yeah. Any other items that would be great to uh, point them towards? Well, I would actually point them towards some of the education out there in their book that would be a great step because there's so much out there how much we could improve the system and how much we could improve um, learning for individuals. And uh, Tony Wagner, who I mentioned earlier, has this great book called Creating Innovators. 
And it's, uh, it's essentially about the making of young people who will change the world. And within that book, he has uh, he goes through several case studies of uh, parents and students who got it right, you know, who did all the right things that kind of contribute, contributed to their children going on and becoming innovators. And other authors out there include Mark Prensky, Tony Robbins. Um, and I think that they're great resources to kind of look at as a starting point to see uh, what the alternatives would be or what the solutions would be if you want to create innovators. Okay, that's great. We can put those in the show notes. That's good. Um, yeah, any uh, any other thing that uh, is important to discuss around education, or is there you know one other uh, item that you're working on that you want to bring up? Yeah, so, um, well, I, I'm working on multiple projects, really. Um, I, I think I didn't mention earlier, but I'm also the co-founder of Intelligent Optimism, which is a social media movement, and we have over 450,000 followers online. And through think tanks, workshops, debates, newsletter, what we hope to do is encourage people to be more proactive on making the world a better place. And a lot of people don't know this, but our world is becoming better. And um, as much as we are faced with problems today, we need to be empowered to tackle them now more than ever. So intelligent optimism is really about being excited about the future in a rational and scientifically valid way. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more in depth about that? I think we have a few minutes. I'd like to hear more. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, really in today's world, the last thing we need is blind, lazy, and uninformed optimism. And intelligent optimism is really about being thrilled, excited, and optimistic about the future in an informed and rational way. For instance, um, it's recognizing that in the last 100 years, we've seen a 90% decrease in infant mortality, a 99% decrease in maternal mortality, and a 100% increase in the average human lifespan. And um, we've seen a decline in the number of wars, number of individuals that have been killed by wars. We've made massive strides in rights, you know, rights for women, rights for children, uh, animal rights, and exponential growth in technology. And unfortunately, you know, um, our news is constantly filled with bad news. And this is on purpose. It's because, you know, uh, our brains are wired to pay attention to negative news as a survival technique. And it's important to note as well that this intelligence optimism mindset isn't about saying that there's nothing wrong in the world and the world is perfect. In fact, our world is far from perfect. We have a long way to go, but it's recognizing how far we've come, how many problems we have solved in the past and kind of taking that mindset and using it to empower us for the future of our species. Okay, well, very good. I guess we'll wrap with... um some resources. So even though we'll have them in the show notes, can you just reiterate some of the books that you recommend and you know, Coursera and some of the other items, you know, all the resources, the SciFest Dubai? Yeah, I think that all the um, online, education-wise, all the online main MOOC platforms are Coursera, Udacity, edX, and these are filled with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of uh, online courses and programs. In terms of authors uh, about education, um, I strongly recommend Tony Wagner's book, Creating Innovators. Um, Other authors to check out are uh, Ken Robinson and Mark Prensky. And and SciFest Dubai is scifestdubai.com. You can find more information about our our festival. Captive Science Speak Dubai, Intelligent Optimism are also uh, linked onto the website, uh, but if not, it's capacitedubai.com, intelligentoptimism.com. Raya, thanks so much. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And uh, nice. you've been a Thank great you for having me.
You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.